The Amazon mobile app makes shopping fast and easy. It provides you with real-time tracking and delivery notifications, 360 product views, and live chat support 24-7. And when you make an in-app purchase for the first time, you will receive a $5 coupon to use on your next order. If you've not tried out the Amazon mobile app, check it out today by clicking on the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Communication 24-7 podcast, where we communicate about how we communicate. I'm your host, Jennifer Furlong. Today, I have a very special guest, Amanda Huffman. Today's topic, we're talking about women in the military. And Amanda, I'm just going to read her bio real quick, and then we'll actually get into the conversation. Amanda is an Air Force veteran, military spouse, and mom of two boys. She is the host of Women of the Military podcast, where she shares the stories of women who have served. Her new book, A Girl's Guide to Military Services, comes out in September, and she hopes it will help prepare and inspire girls to join the military. And I'm not going to let uh, let this go by either. She's she's also author of Women of the Military, the book. So for those of you watching, that you can see the cover of that. So now that I've plugged everything that there needs to be plugged, Amanda, thanks again for for being here, and uh, so that we can have a a conversation about women in the military. Um, and hey, Margaret from Illinois, thank you for joining us. Um, so I have so many things that I want to talk about. So let me organize this in the brain. <laughs> First, what I want to do is, of course, I want to talk to you about your experiences and um, what inspired you to join the military. And then I want to get into, you know, post-military service, some of the things that you're doing now as a veteran and, um, you know, what it is that you're hoping to to be able to achieve or what your goals are with the services that you provide now. So um, let's just start at the beginning. What inspired you to join the Air Force to begin with? I think uh, a lot of it had to do with September 11th. It happened my senior year of high school. And before that day, I really had no idea the military existed. Like I knew that we had a military that fought wars, but I mean, my life essentially had been peacetime because the Gulf War happened when I was in kindergarten. So I didn't really remember that at all. And we didn't have any military connections. And so I was just kind of like living in this world that I didn't know what really was out there. And we really sheltered. And then September 11th happened and our military activated. And I was like, what What does that even mean? Like, how is that possible? And there's a National Guard base in my hometown and the F-16s were like flying overhead. And before then, I like never really heard them. But then after September 11th, we like, oh, the F-16s are flying overhead. And it was like something we pointed out. And so it kind of like changed everything with September 11th happening. And it took me a few years before I actually joined the military. But that was probably the turning point where I started looking into it. I'm an introvert. And so I'm a slow processor. And so I feel like 
my military story is like a good example of an introvert. Like something happens and it takes a few years before I actually figure out where I need <laughs> You're to processing. Go. You're yeah. processing. So you saw those F-16s flying ahead. You're listening to the sounds of freedom, as we like to call it. And then I guess from there, maybe you just became inspired to to do something to serve your country. How did your family react when you told them that you were going to join the military? So I was actually, I'm working on my book on like the thank yous. And I remember mm-hmm. that when I told my parents, my dad was like, okay, let's go to the recruiter. And he drove me. <laughs> the recruiter. He was like, let's do this. <laughs> yes. And so it was kind of funny. Cause I was like, I was probably still pretty unsure about it. And it was just something I was like tossing around the idea. And my dad was like, nope, we think this is for you. Like, I feel like my parents knew I was lost and I needed something to like push me mm, because mm, I was mm. really lost and I needed something to push me. And so my dad was like on board <laughs> right away to get me to the recruiter station. And he didn't know anything about the military, but he knew someone who was working at that National Guard base. And so we drove there. And I met with a recruiter. And then while I was going through that, I learned about ROTC through one of my friends who was in college with me. And so that was how I ended up doing ROTC and not enlisting. That's right. So you ended up an officer in, in the Air Force. I think that is important. You know, anyone who listens to women's stories, we all come from just such a, a great diverse background Um, different experiences, different levels of knowledge where the military is concerned. You know, at the end of the day, when when we sign that piece of paper, we know that we're we're signing up because there are going to be some some things that are required of us in service to our country. But I I like your point in that, hey, you know, being an introvert, (laughs) I needed to process it. Mine was actually a really quick decision. And I'm also an introvert. And I it, you know, that but by the time I made the decision to the time I went to boot camp, um, it was about a, a year, almost a year. So there was still time if I, I guess if I really wanted to pull out, I could. Um, but, you know, I, uh, uh, college just wasn't in the cards for me at the time because of my background and in the financial situation. And I knew that I needed to do something because I, I needed a change. And so that's when, um, it just so happened one day, the recruiters were at my high school and you know how they all set up their little fruit stands, you know, in the lunchroom. And I saw the the Navy recruiter, Army, Air Force, and the Marine Corps recruiter was standing there. And just, uh, he immediately caught my eye. And I just thought to myself, you know what? If you're going to do it, you better do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what? Marine Corps, hurrah, you know? And, and it just kind of went from there. Um, but I think it's important for women to hear these stories because I know a lot of times women will doubt themselves in that, you know, is the military something that, that I can do, you know, and, and I'm not talking in a legal sense. I'm not talking about in a societal sense. I'm talking in a very personal, you know, when you think about the military, it can be very daunting, to think about the things that you you would have to do, not only to qualify and to, to join the military, but then even after, you know, once you're active duty. Um, what was your experience like as, you know, active duty 
in the Air Force? Because I know you were deployed, and I'm sure that that had a profound impact on on you know um, on just you as a person. Yeah, I was really shy and timid, and I kind of didn't know what I was doing. I feel like that's what all second lieutenants are. They don't really know because <laughs> you're just kind of like, oh, I'm in the Air Force and I'm doing things, and I'm right. In- <laughs> and now what? <laughs> right. And I was in the environmental section, which was like all civilians and me, and like mm. my only job <laughs> was to answer a phone that would ring and like go check when there was like spills for oil or other hazardous okay. uh, chemicals. And so that phone didn't ring very much. And so <laughs> I would like go around to the shops and start like talking to them and learning about what they did. And I think that's really what a civil engineer in the air mm-hmm. force is supposed to do, but it was kind of just like boredom that drew, drew me there because I was right. like, I don't have anything to do. And it was kind of a weird start to the military, but then I got to move over to engineering and our base was getting the F-22. And so there was all mm-hmm. kinds of construction projects around the base and it was really fun. And I learned so much from the leaders that I worked under and just getting to go out and like actually see engineering projects take place. And so that was really cool. And then I got tasked to deploy with the army, which I wasn't very happy about. Mm, I'm sure. (laughs) And so I wanted to deploy with the air force, but no, I got to deploy with the army. (laughs) And so I was attached to an infantry unit and we were doing missions throughout Kapisa province in Afghanistan. And we were looking at the Afghan contractors were building the stuff and then we were the engineers inspecting it. And so we try and go see the projects like once or twice a month, depending on like, all the different factors. And so we did a lot of work and the training I think for deploying really like pushed me to trust in myself and to believe in myself. And then when I was deployed, my commander had told me before I left jump, it isn't that far. And so like every time we had to, like the first time I went off base, I was like, all right, jump. It's not that far. So I got in the MRAP and then we went on the mission and I survived. And so like every time I had to do something, that was just what I would repeat to myself. And it never was as far or as scary as I thought. And we, and I just made it through it and took it day by day. Yeah. Now I know I've gotten this question before and and I'm sure you have as well. Being a, a woman in the military, a common question is, how many guys do you have to work with? You know? <laughs> and, and I know in the Marine Corps, of course, there's a huge difference, you know, in the, in the number of men versus the number of women who are serving. But I was in public affairs. And so we had a pretty fair division, you know, w- within public affairs when I served, a fair amount of, of men and women within the, the same unit. Um, how was it for you being a civil engineer? So there were not very many women. I think we Mm -hmm. had like eight officers and two of us were women. And then when Mm -hmm. I was deployed, I was deployed with infantry. And at the time, women couldn't be in the infantry. That's right. So like Mm -hmm. when we would go on our combat missions, it was you. I was I was lucky. I was deployed with another female civil engineer. So like we would trade Mm -hmm. off going on missions, and then there'd usually be a medic who was a female. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it was a male, but it was like we were the only two females. that were on the convoy because there weren't a lot of females in our whole unit. I think there were 10 of us out of our almost a hundred. So 10% 
of us were women out of about the hundred people on our team. And so we didn't have a lot of women and uh, it didn't really bother me. I guess PA, we had PA and they were, yes, public affairs. Yep. (laughs) And so we, I don't know. I, it, I had grown up running cross country and track and I was one of the faster runners. So I would always Mm -hmm. be running with the guys and not usually with the girls on my team. And so I guess I was kind of used to it. So I didn't really notice, like, it didn't bother me that I was the only girl because I was just kind of used to that type of environment. And Mm -hmm. I always felt really protected by my, like, especially the infantry team. Like, their job was to keep keep me safe. And whenever I felt a little overwhelmed, like if I was in a crowd of people, I would look over my shoulder and there within arm's distance would always be the SEC4 lead ready to like pull me out if he needed to. And so I, I just didn't really think about it. I don't think that we thought about things the way that we do today. It was kind of yeah. just like, this is how it is. Let's not complain about it or talk about it. Cause then it just makes it harder. Right. Um, th- that's an important point that you just made. I do think we, we think about things a little differently. You know, when I first joined, it was, 1991 when I went in and um, my recruiter had not put a woman in the Marine Corps yet. Um, But I do remember, um, I can't remember exactly what he said when I went into his office, but he sat me down at the desk and he went to the back of the office and there was a gunny in the back and I heard them talking and I heard him say something like, Gunny, there's this girl out here. What do I got to do to get rid of her? <laughs> and, then, and then I heard the gunny say something like, well, give her all the tests. And when she fails, you know, you can get rid of her. And that's one of those examples of I had a choice to make right then and there. Right. I, I could have left. I could have gone to the newspaper. I could have cried about it. You know, I could have made a big deal about it, made a lot of people look bad, you know, and and created this just complete hailstorm, you know. Um, But then I decided, you know what? No, I'm going to, if he's never put a woman in the Marine Corps before, why not me? So I'm going to, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to not only prove to him and everybody else who didn't didn't think I could do it, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to prove it to myself as well. Um, And so I, I guess that's what nowadays, I know that women especially, you know, in, in some, some areas of the military still very much do have to fight, you know, that, that type of sexism, you know, and, and, um, doubt. Um, what do you say to, to women or, you know, young girls who are even considering going into the military, if that's a concern of theirs that, you know, what about the sexism? What about being treated differently? Um, what kind of advice or conversations do you have with them? Because I know I share my story and I approach it from the the idea of, look, when it does happen and look, it is going to happen. I mean, the military is made up of a bunch of human beings and sometimes humans suck, right? <laughs> so when it does happen, you have a choice to make. So you got to figure out you know, what choice you're going to make and, and what that impact is going to be and h- how do you want to move forward in that uh, trajectory? What what kind of conversations do you have with young girls who have that concern? 
Well, I'm trying to create a mentorship program because I feel like now it is like really hard because before we would just ignore it. And like, maybe that mm -hmm. wasn't the best way forward because it mm -hmm. allowed things to happen that shouldn't have happened, but mm -hmm. it also was easier in some ways, especially like I dealt with uh, discrimination and like mm -hmm. minor harassment, but nothing like assault or rape. But right. for me, it was easier to just be like, Oh, they're just being guys saying stuff they shouldn't right. say and just ignore it and not make a reaction. And then, you know, it would die away or like it never escalated because of that, but that's not always the case. And like, sometimes you need to stand up for yourself and you need to talk to someone and get advice. Mm -hmm. And it's too hard to expect someone who's 18, 19 to be able to like make that call on their own because how, how are you supposed to know, especially right. if you've never been in an environment. So I'm really trying to build a community of women that when you're in a situation and you need someone that you can reach out to for advice, that you can contact them and get help and have the best path forward instead of just relying on yourself or, you know, or make or find some another woman in your unit who you trust that you can get advice from. But sometimes that's not always there. So that's why I think it needs to be beyond just like in your unit because you're mm -hmm. moving and everything's changing. But if we can create a base of women veterans who can help the next generation of women, then we can build this community that gives back to each other. And it's so empowering for me to be able to share and give advice to them. And it's me. I like they're I'm helping them, but really they're helping me because it's like a two way street. And so that's what I'm, working on in the background of one of the mm -hmm. things that I'm trying to build, but that's where our, mine is like, you shouldn't expect that you should be able to do it, especially when you're really young and you're mm -hmm. at your first assignment, you shouldn't know, like, is this something that I should just ignore or is this something I should report? You should be able to have those resources of someone that you can go out and talk to. And so that's what I say to women. That's amazing. Um, I think you're right. It's a cultural shift, really, because when I was in, and even though a lot of the time I did work with other women, you know, sometimes, like you said, sometimes when things happened, you know, we considered it, well, you know, boys will be boys, or, you know, really at the end of the day, it's not really hurting me. So, you know, I'm just offended or, okay, it's a joke at my expense, you know, whatever. But that can at times, even when you're surrounded with other women can still feel isolating because even the other women are, they're thinking the same thing. Well, you know, it's no big deal. So the idea to create um, a, a group of mentors for young women going into the military or even women who are serving right now, you know, active duty to be able to have that sense of community um, and to know that, look, these are things that it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to talk about things and to check in, you know, with other women I think what you're doing is it's you're really helping to create a shift in the mindset um, of military women, especially active duty military women. I love that. I think it's so important. I think it's going to help, you know, so many women who are serving in the military. Um, if you had to take a guess, because I know you have done a lot of interviews yourself between the podcast and, you know, writing your books and then you write articles, you know, for, for different online, um, sources, 
How many women have you had conversations with thus far? It has to, has to be a lot. Yeah, I mean, uh, episode 190 came out yes or last wow. Tuesday. So wow. <laughs> almost 200 podcast episodes, and most of those are interviews with women who have served. And then there's 28 stories in the in the book that you showed at the mm-hmm. beginning, and then. And then a handful of other, you know, women I've talked to through maybe not even like interviews, but like I've done various speaking topics where I've gotten to talk mm-hmm. to women and be in like community groups. So it's it's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been to different conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, hundreds, hundreds of women that you've, you know, had the opportunity to speak to. Um, what would you say? What? What sticks out most to you um, when you've had these conversations with women? And it could be just the ones that, you know, you've interviewed for the podcast or just women in general that you've happened to have conversations with at conferences or whatever. What do you think is the most common topic that women who are either in the military or at least, you know, women veterans, what's the most common topic that women feel like they, they, they need to talk about? I think the isolation of what it's like to be a woman in the military and then to be a woman veteran and like feeling so alone because, you know, it's not like you can just go to the VFW and expect there to be a bunch of women there. Right. Like, yeah, it's, it's just not the way it is. And True statement. <laughs> and for me, I got out when I became a mom and like going to an event, a social event was really challenging, like to get away from my kids, to have my husband's still in the military to have him be home so that I go to this event and being a military spouse, like I don't have childcare a lot of times where we move. And so I think it's the loneliness of like being the only woman on a deployment and having no one to talk to being mm-hmm. in a unit and a far away from your family and having very few women and maybe you don't get along with them. And so you're just so alone. And then once you leave the, the veteran or the active duty Um, service and you transition like you feel so alone and like you kind of I think at first it's easier to morph into your new role as like mom or career woman or military spouse or whatever it is but that veteran piece gets kind of left behind because you're tired of like defending yourself and like um, trying to get that recognition and so it's just easier to let it go but then the there there's so much that you can gain from the veteran community that you're really missing out when you're not involved. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I started the podcast because I felt so alone and I knew there were women veterans out there, but I didn't know where they were. And then like I started interviewing them and I was like, wow, these stories are amazing. And it just drove me to hear more stories and make more connections. And now I have women veteran friends and it's really amazing because I have people I can reach out to and talk to. Yeah. And, um, you know, sense of community is so important and you're right. When, when you get out of the military, it can be a very isolating experience and you're right. You know, you kind of move on with the different roles that you have in life. If you become a mom, you know, you're a, a wife or you move on into the civilian world, you know, and you get a job and you have all of these things going on around you, but there's, and I know that other women feel this way, you know, there's a tiny part of you that, maybe just you you feel a little unbalanced at times or you really miss 
you know, you miss the uniform, you miss, you miss the sense of camaraderie that you've been able to develop with, you know, the others in your unit. You just miss that sense of, of purpose, you know, and, and, and that sense of just structure sometimes. Yeah. Have you heard that from other women as well? Yeah, for sure. And like women veterans are kind of, we're very unique. We're very mm -hmm. direct. I remember when I first started volunteering and I went into the room and I was like, these are the things that we need to be done. And they, right? <laughs> and they were like, hi, Amanda, how are you? And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. Like we have to do all these pleasantries. And like, that's right. <laughs> and I personally don't want to do them. I just want to get the mission done. And so it's kind of funny how like they, they totally called me out on what I did but they accepted me for who I was. And I think a lot of times women veterans have a hard time finding people who accept them because we do, we have that like mission focus, get the job mm -hmm. done. We don't need the like social aspect. We the chat, the chit chat. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we don't need this. We need to get this done. You know, that's so funny. It reminds me of, you know, as a, a communication skills trainer, I go into different organizations and, and help them learn how to communicate more effectively. You know, I work with the workforce. And a lot of times there will be, you know, some diversity in, in the workforce where you'll have your veterans and then you'll have those who have never served in the military. And then you'll have some that come from military families. So they'll kind of get it. And the exact same thing happens. You know, I talk about different communication styles and more times than not, you know, someone who has served in the military, it just, at least it seems in my experience, they do have that more action oriented, you know, I still have that action oriented communication style, just like you. It's like, okay, um, I don't need like all the minute details and all this. Let's just, what is the best recommendation? And let's figure out how we do this. Let's get this done. But then you do have, you know, like the cheerleaders, right? They're like the, the more, uh, I guess the, the more people oriented, you know, people who they want to, let's have a conversation. And how did Johnny do during his soccer game last weekend? And let's kind of have this, this chit chat. And those things can cause friction, you know, in the workplace, if we're not understanding those different communication styles and where they're coming from, because you can be perceived um, in error, you know, by the way, like the, being the office bully or you're just, you know, like you short tempered or anything like that. So it's really good that the group that you were working with, they immediately were able to recognize, <laughs> hey, <laughs> Amanda, let's just have a couple of minutes of chit chat. Okay. <laughs> we can do that yeah. <laughs> if we must. <laughs> I love that. And I think a lot of um, veterans probably resonate with that. So um, I really admire um, what you're doing with with women, you know, veterans and, and creating the sense of community, because I know for one, I, I very much can can um, understand that feeling of isolation and aloneness and you begin to, you know, question. But what you did is you kind of took that and you made a decision. You're like, you know what? If there's nothing out there that exists, I'm going to make it happen. Yep. Um, that is so awesome. So take me from that moment you realized, look, I need a, a sense of community. You know, I want to get in touch with other women. Um, did you always know that it was going to be a podcast or 
did you think maybe I'll just do like a blog or something or put together a, you know, maybe a local, um, local group? How did you make that decision? Well, I originally started with a blog and mm-hmm. I wasn't planning on focusing on military stuff. I was focusing on mom stuff because uh-huh. I was following a mom blogger and she was really helpful in my journey. And so I was like, mm-hmm. I want to help women who are becoming moms. And it was like, uh, it was quite a journey. That's what we'll say. It was quite a journey mm-hmm. of like figuring it out. But I did a deployment series in 2017 and I did an open call for people to share their deployment stories. And almost everyone who responded was a woman. And I was like, oh, women, they're in the military. And these stories were so amazing and like so different and unique. Like I got to hear about being out of a ship for the Navy and like different deployments in the Army and all like medical deployments, being on AWACS, all these different things that women were doing. And even though I was in the military, I had no idea mm-hmm. like, all these things women were doing. And so I said, who cares about deployment? Let's focus on women in the military. And that was where that was like the changing point in like 2018. I started focusing on women and the book that you showed uh, mm-hmm. originally was going to be a series that was going to not Siri. Sorry, she's going to start talking. <laughs> <laughs> there she goes. <laughs> Go away, Siri. Stop. Siri is always, uh, you know, confused. She's <laughs> interrupting. And so I, uh, I was working on that, and I was going to do it in October of 2018. But we also PCS to mm-hmm. Virginia, which is where I am now. And so I felt really overwhelmed. And my friend was like, "You don't have to do this." And so that was where the idea to like start a podcast and take the stories that are now in the book and use them in the podcast. If like I had a week, I didn't have a story. I would have all these backup stories, but then I ended up having too many women want to be on the podcast. And so then I took those stories and I made a book on Amazon. And so that was where everything started from was doing that 31 day series in October of 2017. It's focused on deployments, but then all the stories are from women. And so I wanted to hear more. And then the more I like, I wanted to help women in their transition out of the military. And one of my mentors, she was like, we need to figure out like the earliest point that you can help people in their journey. Mm -hmm. And so we were trying to think of like transition, like when can And from that conversation, we realized like the earliest point, and it probably could even go back farther, but like one of the earliest points you can help someone is when they're joining the military. And that's Mm -hmm. when I realized there's like no resources for women. They're all directed for men. And like even the books on like how to join the military that there are out there are like how to join the military. And there's a chapter about being a woman, a woman in the military, but it's written (laughs) by a man who doesn't understand what it's like to be a woman. Right. <laughs> and it's not really things. It's like the high level stuff, but not the deep dive. And yeah. it is really challenging to be a woman in the military. And I think it. there's a whole book that I wrote yeah. of information on like why it's so important. And I want, they keep talking about, I'm sorry, I'm rambling. <laughs> I'm, no, 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 no. This is all really great information. You are not rambling at all. And then, <laughs> um, now I lost my train of thought, but the more that I like dove into it, the more I realized like how much more stuff we need to help 
girls join the military. And I didn't know so much when I went into the military. And it would have made my life a lot easier. Like, I was lucky I wasn't a victim of rape or assault. But Mm -hmm. that was because I was lucky, not because I made good choices. I made bad choices and I just got lucky. And so I feel like if I had known the danger that was there, it may not may or may not have affected my choices but at least I would have known and been aware instead of being blissfully ignorant of like everything happening around me and so Mm -hmm. I want to it's a passion of like letting people know everything so that they can be the most prepared have the best career in the military and be protected from some of the negative aspects that are out there yeah no you've said some very important things there you know number one what to expect you know, being a a woman in the military, there are, although there are many similarities that young men, you know, and women will will go through serving in the military, but there are absolutely some specifics, you know, and, and the, the issue of assault, you know, or, or, or rape, you know, any type of sexual assault in the military, unfortunately, it's a reality for a lot of women, you know, they've experienced that. And so that's just an example of, I like your idea of, you know, just starting when women first join, you know, um, helping them to, to understand that there are resources out there. You know, if you happen to be a woman who, who experienced, you know, any type of sexual assault, there's a lot of shame that ends up being attached to that. And I'm sure that you've heard enough women tell their stories that, you know, you, you understand that it's very, very difficult for a woman um, in general, you know, to, to talk about her experience with with sexual assault or sexual abuse, much less a woman who's serving in the military. You know, um, that's a, a different it, it adds another layer of difficulty for a woman to to come out and talk about that experience. And then there's that added level of, of almost like a feeling of shame, you know, and so to have resources and to, you know, kind of set um, or have, have an impact on the culture and that women at least feel that they have someone that they can come talk to about those issues. And I mean, even other things like, you know, certainly it's not, um, as devastating as sexual assault, but there are other things like, you know, when you get married in the military, should you change your name or not? (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know, have you ever had um, anyone share their experiences of, of being in the military and, and changing their name and then getting divorced and having to change their name back and the debacle that that causes. No one's talked about that specifically. I mean, we talk about getting married, having kids. Mm -hmm. I remember when I got married and I changed my name and like people were like resistant to it and they were like, but she's could have Baker. And I was like, not anymore. Like, and (laughs) People were like, well, I don't want to. And it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's my name. I get to choose it. And this is what you need to call me. And like, I mean, if it was a mistake, like, that's one thing. But to be like purposely being like, well, I don't want to call you by your new name. Like, why would you say that to someone? (laughs) And that's kind of like, I mean, that shows like one of the, it's something silly, but like, that's something that Mm -hmm. women face. And yeah. And even like, what do you do during your boot camp when you're on your period like we talk we need to talk about things like that or 
birth control and like all these things that no one wants to touch because they're like taboo. But then like you're at boot camp and you're like, what do I do? (laughs) What do I do? (laughs) Like I start, I had just finished when I went to boot camp. And then like, because I was with a bunch of women, we all started and I was like, what the heck? But I like, no one warned me for that. And so I was like, oh, I'll be fine. Like until this date. And then it was like a weekend and everyone you know, and then everybody just kind of gets in sync real quick. Yeah, we all you know, get. In I sync. didn't have one. I didn't have one the whole time. The whole time I was in boot camp, I think my body was in such shock <laughs> that it was like, you know what? We're shutting that down. We're, that's just just going to be an added layer of difficulty we don't even need at this point. Um, and I yeah. think it was actually a couple of months, even after boot camp, until my body kind of got back into its normal sync. You know, Which if you're um, a young lady who's like going through that, you could be like, am I, what's happening to me? Like, am I pregnant? Like, why, right. what's yeah. going on? But if we don't talk about it, then, or if we talk about it, then it makes it normal. And it's like a conversation where you can open up and like, know that like, when you go through like really stressful situations, things like that can happen. Yeah, yeah. There, There's somebody out there who's listening to this, who's considering joining the military. And she's probably like, I had no idea that that was a possibility that right. my period will just stop. Yeah, it is a possibility. It'll just completely stop. And it's a possibility that you'll just get in sync with everybody else, you know, in your unit, which is another thing, you know, that that would be pretty crazy um, to happen. So um, with the, the Women in the Military, Women of the Military podcast, and you have this new book, you know, that, that's coming out in September, tell me a little bit about the premise behind the new book and what, what is it that you're, that you're writing about? So it's supposed to be like a 30,000 foot level to help you not only decide if the military is right for you, that's, I guess it's three parts, like deciding if the military is right, Mm. talking about the pros and the cons, and then like figuring out why you want to join and using that as like a guiding principle through Mm -hmm. your service. And then the middle part is like all the decisions you have to make, like preparing for your ASVAB, going to MEPS, picking your career field and getting ready for everything that's coming. And then, and for preparing for basic training, physically, mentally. And then the last part is more about like once you've joined the military and it talks about like motherhood and being at your first assignment, setting mm-hmm. up your finances in a successful way. Um, other things too that I'm just blanking yeah. on, <laughs> but like things to get you set up for success so that you can start your career and even like talk about transition. Because I think a lot of times you think, oh, I need to start thinking about transition like one or two years out from when, but really you need to start thinking about transition like from the day that you joined the military mm-hmm. because it's coming and you might as well start preparing. So starting to think about like, how do you know it's the right time to transition? Like why think about why you joined the military? Did you join the military because you wanted to get the GI bill and you served your four years and you you're ready to get out? Well then get out. You don't need to feel mm-hmm. like there's a lot of shame. Like I have to stay in longer it's like, no, if you wanted your GI Bill and now you've done your time, get out and go back to school and uh, get or go to school and use those benefits that you've earned. And so it's just based on like the whole process of joining from deciding if the military is right for you, helping you make all the decisions and then setting up your career for success. 
Oh my God. I wish I had had that book (laughs) when I joined. You're so, you're so right. Because as soon as you join, um, you may have the best intentions of, you know what, I'm going to be a lifer, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay in. I really enjoy this. I love my MOS. I love what I do. Um, and so, you know, I'm going to stay in as long as I can maybe retire, but then things happen, life happens and we can't predict, you know, for me, I, I ended up having a back injury and, um, unfortunately this happened when, uh, during a time that, uh, the, they were getting rid of a lot of people, you know, in the military, making it smaller and smaller. And I cried. I did everything I could. I wanted to be able to stay in. But at the end of the day, my back injury was preventing me, you know, from doing what I needed to do. Um, and so, you know, I couldn't stay in. And, and having something to be able to kind of help guide me, you know, through that, like you said, you know, there are just everybody's journey is going to be different. And um, your journey is your own. And so whether you whether you do stay in for 20 plus years or you stay in for 10 or you, you know, stay in for four, you know, however long it is, um, that transition, that's an, a very important piece to, to begin thinking about now. Um, right. Yeah. So when you have young ladies come in and talk to you about possibly joining the military, what are some of the, I guess, what, what, what's maybe the top one or two um, pieces of advice that you give them in terms of, you know, here's some things that you need to consider if, if you are thinking about joining the military? I, I think the reality of, like, how hard it is, like, when you join the military, it's not like a normal job where you get to pick where you want to live. I mean, right. you sometimes don't even get to pick the job that you're doing because it's based on like yeah. your ASVAB score or That's right. if you go in undecided because your recruiter, oh, Lord, you. Yep. <laughs> right, you can end up in a job doing who knows what. And so right. I think doing like the advice is to do as much research as you can and make sure that mm-hmm. you know you can't know everything, but like know what you're signing up for and like how big of a commitment it is. And then realize that like, if you want to stay where you're at and you don't want to move, there actually are options that give you the ability to serve in the military and to do that. And so that's why doing the research is so important and like learn what career fields are available and know how they are different or similar in different branches and learn about all the branches and don't just go into one recruiting office, listen to the recruiter, and then just do that. Like, do your research. You have the internet. It's amazing. Like, we didn't I know. We did not have this when I went in. We did not have access to that. Yeah, um, like, the internet was a thing, but people didn't use it. Like, social media wasn't a thing, so there wasn't, like, the mm-hmm. same sort of resources. And so I just, like, encourage people to learn as much as they can so that they can make the right decision for them because – not everybody who thinks that they should join the, like who was thinking about joining the military should join the military. And mm-hmm. I don't want people to um, make that decision and not think about like all the moving pieces that go into it. I think it's a great opportunity and obviously I'm really passionate about it and it's changed my life for the better, but you need to do a lot of research so that you can find the right place for you. And um learn all you can, especially like with the space force, like not enough people know about the mission and the future Mm -hmm. even of space. And like, 
I think that branch kind of changes how things are for the military because it's not really like any other branch, but not enough people know they know about Space Force, you know, on Netflix. Right, yeah. It's not a good <laughs> representation of what it's like. And so I think just doing the research and learning everything you can to know. And like you said, you were like, I knew it was the Marines. And like, I feel like the Marine Corps people I've interviewed, they're like, I just knew I had to join the Marines. And it's like, <laughs> if you know that's where you're supposed to be, then just go for it. I mean, well, I you know, Marines are always a different breed anyway, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I... I think that um, what you're saying is is so important for anybody actually joining the military. You know, all of those things. I don't think they have those types of conversations with the recruiters, right? You know, think about when you join, you know, you're not going to get, we'll have you choose your top three, right? Duty stations and right. maybe you'll get there. Maybe you want And But the reality of that, of that situation, you know, moving away from your family. Are you okay with moving away from your family? Um, are you okay with moving every couple of years if you have to, you know, are you um, okay living in a barracks with a bunch of other people? You know, And I think there's a lot of conversation whenever anybody starts talking about boot camp. Of course, the conversation is always heavily focused on the physical aspect of it, right? You know, what is it that I have to do in my PFT? You know, what, what, how many sit-ups or push-ups or whatever it is, you know, they have to do with PFTs these days. What do I have to do physically? How many miles do I have to run? Um, but I don't think there are enough conversations about the, the mental aspect of boot camp. And those are the conversations that need to happen. You know, like you said, you need to be prepared for that because the physical part of boot camp is actually the easy part. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. The physical part was easy. It was the yeah. mental part that was really the challenge for me. Yeah. And especially if you are, you know, if you're 18 joining the military, you're away from home for the first time. Not only are you having to deal with the everyday rigors of, of boot camp, but then you throw in a little bit of homesickness at the same time. And then, you know, I mean, you're just kind of overwhelmed with everything and you, you will begin to question your decision <laughs> when you're in boot camp. I, I think it's uh, perfectly natural. Um, so many people I've talked to, they were like, oh yeah, like within the first week, I was like, what in the hell did I do? <laughs> What have I gotten myself into? Um, and now I can't get out of it. But it's one of those things that everybody goes through. And when you can have those types of conversations, that's why I think your book is going to be so valuable. And I love your podcast. And I love listening to other women share their stories because, you know, it's, it's just not only is it a way for us to bond um, and to find a sense of community, but, you know, just to know that we're we're not alone in the things that we've experienced and to be able to, to learn about that women who are going into the military, that is fantastic, you know, for them to have that as a resource. If you had to do it all over again, would you, or would you do anything slightly differently? Uh, I don't know. I think I would have, I think I really, I mean, I always think like, oh, I should have been a public affairs officer, but I also mm -hmm. really love engineering um, and math and science. And so I think I ended up in the right place and I got to experience what I experienced. And so it it all worked out. And I'm really grateful that I learned out about ROTC. I think 
Mm. I think enlisting would have been not the best place for me because of like, I was already going to school. I really wanted to go to college. And had I not found out about the opportunity to do school and the officer program, I would have been disappointed. But Mm -hmm. I feel really that I learned about that and was able to do that. Yeah, I I absolutely would do it all over again as well. Um, Except for this time, I think I wouldn't have been as afraid. I, you know, I was like, keep me on the East Coast, you know, Uh, because I'd never traveled. I'd never really done any traveling before that point. And frankly, it was intimidating to me thinking about being that far away, even though I wanted to leave. (laughs) So I think this time around, I'd be like, you know what? Yeah, send me to Japan, you know, whatever, just so I could get that that type of experience. Um, So I have one last question for you, Amanda, as we start to wrap this up. Um, What would be a book that you would recommend? I know yours is coming out in September, so we're absolutely going to recommend that. We're going to put that all, all of that in the show notes. Um, but is there another book that you would recommend to our listeners? So I recently finished The Women with Silver Wings, which is about the WASP, the Women Air Force Service Pilots. And it was so fascinating to read about the history. I had already learned a little bit because I'm going to throw another book out that I read. <laughs> I read Final Flight, Final Fight by Erin Miller about her grandmother who who when she died that Arlington said she couldn't be buried there. And so it goes through her advocacy journey of like what they did so that she could be buried there. And she talked about her grandmother. And so I got a little taste of like what the WASP program was and I started to learn about it. But the women with silver wings is like all about the program and tells the stories. And it's so interesting and so fascinating. I've been doing a lot of world war two women (laughs) in history reading. I read, a book about a code breaker and I've read uh, I have lots of world war I've been reading a lot of books <laughs> so but I really recommend like any books about world war II women because their history is like so amazing and it shows like how the military changed so that we could mm-hmm. be the military that we are today with women fighting and women fighting on the front lines and like how many doors were broken open in world war II and then kind of shut because people never wrote down their history or they told women to go home and not talk about what they did. And so to read those stories is like truly inspiring. It really is. I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Um, when I was, when I was in, I, in public affairs, I wrote some articles about, you know, uh, women Marines and the history of women in the Marine Corps. And the more I dug into the archives, the more interesting it would become. And just the stories of these women who paved the way, um, just amazing, you know, and, and it actually gets you excited, you know, as, as being someone who's connected to, to that lineage, you know, if you will, of, of that long line of women. I mean, I remember before I went in, the tagline for the Marine Corps was, we're looking for a few good men. I think it was right before I joined, we're looking for a few good men. And then when I joined, they had changed it to, we're looking for a few good men, dot, 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 and women. <laughs> And then at some point it changed to the few, the proud. <laughs> they just completely took out, you know, all references to to gender out of it. So it, just even something like that is interesting to be able to see 
the change. And there has been a lot of change for the better within the military. Um, there are still, you know, some, some things to overcome. Like you said, you know, women being asked not to talk, you know, about certain things. Um, but um, to have the history written down and to be able to read through it, if you're considering, considering joining the military, what a fantastic way to just kind of, you know, connect yourself with whatever branch, all the branches that you're going to join. Um, Amanda, how can we get in touch with you if anybody is out there and they're wanting to learn more and hear more from you? So my podcast, Women of the Military, is available on all platforms and on YouTube. And then you can connect with me. My favorite social media place is uh, LinkedIn. And mm -hmm. I like hanging out there. I also have a Facebook page. And and we didn't mention I'm in the middle of moving. I'm not moving yet, but we're going to be moving cross country. So if I don't get back to you um, for a few months, then understand that we're Moving across the country from one side to the other. So that's right. So um, you heard that. Give Amanda some time <laughs> if you do contact her. All that information I am going to have in the show notes for the podcast when it is released. Um, and if it so happens that, you know, you send a message to Amanda or there was something that was said and you couldn't quite remember the name of her book or anything like that, I'll have all that information also in the show notes or just send me an email and I will be happy to, you know, ha make the connection between you and Amanda. But again, you know, she is moving cross country. It's no, it's no small task. So let's have a little patience for her. <laughs> all right. Any parting words? Um, I am doing a series on the podcast, A Girl's Guide to the Military. And so starting July 12th and all the way up to the book launch on September 13th, I'll be doing kind of a deeper dive and interviews with women who are a little bit earlier in their journey or experts mm -hmm. about different topics. So, so it'll be a, kind of a fun, different twist of what we've done on the podcast for the last 190 plus episodes. And so look for that. And I'm really excited about that. That is awesome. Thank you for your service. Thank you for what you continue to do for women in the military and, and women veterans um, and, and young women who are even considering joining the military as a possibility. The information that you provide and the service that you provide is so valuable. And I know it is incredibly appreciated by so many people out there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody, we'll see you next time. You all take care. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and a review. Also, you can now buy some communication 24-7 swag. Yes, please go to our website and spell the numbers out, www.com communication247.com. Buy some merch, submit a pic to me, and I'll give you a shout out on the next episode. Remember to follow me on Facebook, LinkedIn, and also subscribe to the Communication 24-7 podcast YouTube channel to find out when our next edition of Unscripted is being live streamed. Watch during the live stream and participate by making comments and asking questions. Till then, take care.
If you enjoy listening to podcasts, it's a good bet you probably enjoy listening to audiobooks as well. Have you tried Audible? There are literally thousands of audiobooks and podcasts on Audible with new titles being added every week. So here's the good news. You can try out Audible Premium or Audible Plus free for 30 days. You can listen anywhere, anytime, when commuting, exercising, running errands, or while doing housework. Check out the links in the show notes to access your free trial today.